You are listening to Natural Doc Radio with your hosts Herbert R. Slavin, MD, and Janet Cimarelli, licensed nutrition counselor. Hear how you can get and stay healthy without medication. Follow the latest alternative health care news and trends. Educate yourself and avoid the health care hoax. Natural Doc Radio is sponsored by the X39 Patch. Stimulate your own stem cells and let your body heal itself. Get more information at drslavin.com forward slash x39. And now here are your hosts, Dr. Herbert Slavin and Janet Cimarelli. Welcome once again to Natural Doc Radio. I'm Janet Cimarelli. I'm here with Dr. Herb Slavin, and we have more of that health news you can use. So important during these times of concern for how our immune system works, It's time to learn about the things you can do to help yourself. Hi, Dr. Slavin. Hi, Janet. Well, it's been, I don't know, months now since uh, the main thing uh, all the health uh, sites on the Internet are writing about is COVID-19. And what's interesting is if you go to, uh, depending which health site you look at, if you go to one that's mainstream, they're talking about vaccines, or they're talking about uh, expensive drugs. Questionably uh, expensive drugs, a variety of different medical approaches, pharmaceutical approaches that may or may not make a difference should you be infected with coronavirus. And then either not talking about or um, stating that the less expensive drugs like hydroxychloroquine is not effective even though there are reports of just how effective it is or um, not talking about how effective IV vitamin C is or or nebulized hydrogen peroxide or colloidal silver or nebulized um, glutathione I mean, all these options that are available to people that are very inexpensive, no talk about that. But the talk about it, as we mentioned in the earlier podcast, is get that vaccine out there so we can vaccinate everybody. Well, this podcast is about vitamin D. And there's a lot of information about vitamin D and it's how it correlates with the severity of the COVID-19 infection. Now, you may remember um, a couple of weeks ago, Governor Cuomo discovered that the majority of people getting sick with COVID-19 were the homebound people. 66% of the infections were in people that were locked in their homes, not the ones on the outside that were getting fresh air and getting exposure to light. Uh, so he's not referring to nursing homes or adult uh, congregate living facilities. Well, that's a separate issue, the okay. nursing homes. Chinese researchers have also noted that a majority of outbreaks in the 320 municipalities reviewed were the result of indoor spread of the disease, with the home accounting for just about 80% of cases, followed by transportation at 
Kind of interesting. Okay, but they, you know, I'm a little bit puzzled about that. So uh, when you're talking about homebound, you know, from a perspective here, it might be uh, two adults, two children in a home or in very crowded living conditions with multiple adults, multi-generational uh, homes, that could could there could be a lot of differential with regard to homebound well they go on to say that three or more cases occurred that all I, okay uh, identified outbreaks of three or more cases occurred in an indoor environment which confirms that sharing indoor space is a major covid-19 infection risk now how how would you explain that well if you're outdoors and maybe you're side by side with someone that's uh, spreading the virus. You're not being exposed to it in the concentrated form that you would be if you were indoors, sharing the same air, sharing repeatedly. the same space, right, and repeatedly. Which now I don't know if we talked about this on a prior podcast, which makes me think also of the uh, wearing of a face mask. Yeah, I believe we did talk about it in relation to right. what Dr. Russell Blaylock had yeah, to if say. You're, if you're if you're uh, spreading the virus, if you have it and you're wearing a face mask, yeah, you may be protecting other people, but you're re-exposing yourself over and over again to high levels of uh, viral particles. That may be an issue. It's been. Uh, it could be an issue with regard to whether you are totally asymptomatic or whether you have severe or critical illness because of the viral exposure. Now, here's the other interesting thing they're bringing up now is this uh, social distancing that they came up with. By the way, there's no there's no science. It's not based on anything science. It's an arbitrary suggestion that we accept without evidence. Okay, it isn't so much that I'm accepting it without evidence. Isn't it a little bit of common sense there? The uh, uh, more distance you have among uh, unrelated people, uh, the lesser risk you have of spreading viral particles. Well, you, you would think, I mean... Common sense. Right, but... Uh, Social distancing is untested pseudoscience, particularly as it relates to halting the transmission of the COVID-19 virus. On its website, the CDC provides no links to any peer-reviewed social distancing studies that boast its official guidance. There's a reason for the lack of peer-reviewed studies on the CDC website. Uh, the person that wrote this goes on to say, the alarming reality is that social distancing never has been tested on a massive scale in the modern age. Its current formula was conceived during George Bush's administration and met with much deserved skepticism. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't look at social distancing as having to have a basis in science. Uh, once again, it just makes a little bit of common sense to keep your distance from people you don't know, from people who are coughing, from people who are sneezing. But what if they did the study and they found that it didn't make a difference? Because the effects 
of social distancing is that restaurants are fifty percent occupied or less. Uh, I mean, it creates a lot of problems. Or uh, Disney World is uh, long lines and limited uh, visitation. You know that kind of thing. People could not believe that a strategy would be effective or even feasible. One scientist told the New York Times last month, a high school science project added more weight to the concept. Social distancing is very much a newfangled experiment, not settled science. The results are suggesting that our great social distancing experiment of 2020 will be near the top of the list of bad experiments gone horribly wrong. So the uh, jury is still out. I guess eventually we'll find out if it really makes a difference or not. I would say, though, that vitamin D makes a bigger difference than social distancing. And I would agree with that. And I, I think vitamin D, when the the science is disseminated, will do a lot to alleviate people's fears. Now, vitamin D has an immune-modulating effect and can lower inflammation, which is probably very important when it comes to the um, COVID-19 infection because you're talking about cytokine storm, which is inflammation of the lungs. Uh, there was... Um, Three South Asian studies showing people with serious COVID-19 infections are far more likely to have insufficient levels of vitamin D compared to those with mild illness. Vitamin D deficient patients had on average an eightfold higher risk of serious COVID-19 illness compared to those with sufficient levels. And here's the interesting thing. Their definition of a sufficient level is above 30. Remember we said the range for vitamin D is 30 to 100. And ideally, we like to get people up around 80. So think about the uh, protection that a, a vitamin D level of 80 would give you versus, uh, you know, 30. Harvard Medical School uh, is starting a study to investigate whether vitamin D supplementation lowers the risk of COVID-19 specifically and or improves clinical outcomes. But in the meantime, Manson, who's writing this article, urges people to spend more time outdoors to improve their vitamin D levels through sun exposure and to optimize their vitamin D levels through food and supplements. Now, <clears throat> I've said this before. And I'll say it again. Have vitamin D, have your vitamin D level checked so you know. You don't there have to you guess. You, you know, it's, it's, by the way, it's covered by insurance. Get your vitamin D level and see how close to 80 it is. And, People can come to Advanced Medical Testing Center, 754-216-2332, and have vitamin D levels checked. Very easy. And we could also check you for antibodies or viral shedding of COVID-19. Okay, so <clears throat> you mentioned antibodies test. I'm reading some things about that the antibody test is not necessarily something people can rely on. Is that the IgG, IgM test that, that is available at Advanced Medical Testing Center? Well, that's the test we do. There are several, there are obviously more than um, one antibody test out there that's available. But we did a podcast, and you can look it up if you go to uh, naturaldocradio.com, about how often labs make mistakes. True. So even with established testing, labs can make mistakes. So I would say that (coughs) you want to repeat 
the test, regardless if it's positive or negative, you do it at least twice, maybe a month apart, okay. just to double check. So <coughs> taking a vitamin D test, very inexpensive, very readily available and dramatic when you find out that, okay, for maybe $4 a month, you can completely turn around the efficiency of your immune system. And possibly you may see that, okay, with your diet and exposure to sunlight, that yes, indeed, your vitamin D level is over 50 or 60. Keeping in mind, Dr. Slavin just mentioned your goal is 80 for your vitamin D level, particularly in this time where your immune system is threatened. Now, there are Irish researchers who published an editorial highlighting the role of vitamin D deficiency in severe COVID-19 infections. See, that's the key. Nobody's worried about getting sick. They're worried about dying. So if we can tell you if your vitamin D levels are optimal, you might get sick, you might not, but you're not going to die. And then all of a sudden, nobody's worried anymore. You know, how come nobody's worried about getting the flu every year? You know, lots of people get it. Okay, I'm not worried about getting it, but I certainly do prepare for it. I make sure I keep my desk and my office clean, soap and water, washing my hands, and certainly the vitamin D. That's an absolute given. You think the next flu season, everybody's going to be wearing masks? Um. I think the next flu season, no one's going to be worried about the flu anymore. They're going to have, I, I think that more people will probably, unfortunately, go for their flu vaccine rather than get rid of sugar, right. get rid of artificial yeah. sweeteners, um, improve your diet, vegetables, vegetables, vegetables. The evidence supporting a protective effect of vitamin D against severe COVID-19 disease is very suggestive. A substantial proportion of the population in the Northern Hemisphere, and this is how this all started with vitamin D anyway. They looked at people uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, and the further away from the equator you got meant you were exposed less to the sun, and as a consequence, you had lower vitamin D levels. And they found, as expected, that the... People in the Northern Hemisphere were deficient in vitamin D, and uh, they recommend a 1,000 units of vitamin D a day, and I recommend 10,000 units a day. And I usually um, just drive right down the middle there with 5,000 I use, and then to have people check their vitamin D levels because they say, okay, I had a test and I had a 75 level of vitamin D, and so I stopped taking my vitamin D. I said, you can't stop taking it because when you go back and test it again, it's going to have dropped. So make sure that you're taking your vitamin D regularly. All right. Here are some very interesting statistics. The Seneca study showed a mean serum vitamin D level of 26. Remember the ideal range, well, the the range is 30 to 100. So these people are under that 26 in Spain. Which is interesting because it's sunny in Spain. This is the mean serum vitamin D level. 28 in Italy, and 45 in the Nordic countries. 
in older people. In Switzerland, the mean vitamin D level was 23 in nursing homes. And in Italy, 76% of women over 70 years of age have been found to have circulating vitamin D levels below 30. So what does this all mean? Well, okay, so these are all countries with low vitamin D levels. And these are the countries with a with a high number of cases of COVID-19 and the aging people in the group with the highest risk of morbidity and mortality with uh, COVID-19. So what they're saying is there's a very strong correlation between what happens to you with COVID-19 and your vitamin D level. Okay, you mentioned comorbidity, and that is a significant contributing factor to what happens to you should you contract COVID-19. Now, here's another very interesting study. They looked at 212 people, okay? 49 had mild disease, 59 had ordinary disease, 56 was severe, and 48 were critical. So it's a pretty, pretty, pretty evenly distributed across those two hundred patients. And the severity of your illness correlated directly with your vitamin D level. The higher your vitamin D level, the less severe your illness. So, so that- one of my um, issues with a medical approach is. Uh, Medical approach tends to identify a particular symptom, make it into essentially this um, symptom or group of symptoms, make it into a disease or syndrome set, and focus on one medical approach, one pharmaceutical to address a particular symptom. And in my view, the vitamin D, crucially important, but it is just one part of a spectrum of potential deficiencies that need to be attended to. And at the basis of it, a high-quality diet, including uh, vegetables, high-quality fats, fiber, and so on. So in addition to the vitamin D, um, there are other nutrients, both from food and supplements, that are crucially important. Now, here's their recommendation, and then I'll tell you what uh, I've come across over the years. Okay. They said vitamin D deficiency has been found to contribute to acute respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS, which is a major cause of death associated with COVID-19. Those are the people that get on a respirator and never get off. Because putting people on a respirator or a ventilator is the wrong treatment. You have lungs that become dysfunctional. Okay, so at the beginning of this, science might have directed us to that respirator. But indeed, science was not the applicable approach. So originally they said, okay, people are having trouble breathing. Let's put them on a, a, a ventilator. Then they realized that the problem was with the lungs itself, So if you have a diseased lung, you know, using a ventilator doesn't make the diseased lung less diseased. In other words, it's not going to function. You're not going to oxygenate the blood uh, appropriately. That's where the ECMO uh, machine comes in, which is uh, stands for 
extracorporeal um, something oxygenation. <laughs> Oxygen. In other words, in, in, with an ECMO machine, you're not you're not intubated. They put a uh, a catheter in your vein where they exchange the blood. They oxygenate your blood, take out the carbon dioxide. The good thing about it is, you know, you can talk, you can eat while you're being oxygenated. So I think they've been having actually better results with it, but that's remains to be seen why they're not talking about that approach, although people have been put on uh, the ECMO machines. Um, so we said the vitamin D deficiency is, so you have the respiratory distress syndrome is what kills people with COVID-19. Vitamin D deficiency has been found to contribute to acute respiratory distress syndrome. In other words, not enough vitamin D, you're more likely to get that. Which is the which is prime which is the primary cause of death with COVID nineteen. To reduce the risk of infection, it's recommended that people at risk of influenza or COVID nineteen consider taking ten thousand units a day of vitamin D for a few weeks to rapidly raise your twenty five hydroxy vitamin D levels, followed by at least five thousand units a day. But I'll tell you what, in my experience, it's, it takes about ten thousand units a day to get the levels up to between sixty and eighty. We even give it in, uh, intramuscularly an injection of vitamin D to help raise those levels quickly. Uh, another study, then this was in a nursing home where they had an outbreak of flu, where they gave 150 units a day of vitamin D to one wing of the nursing home, and they all did fine. And the other wings that didn't have the vitamin D did very badly. So you can take up to 150 uh, units of vitamin D a day because they make a 50,000 uh, unit vitamin D, you take three a day for three or four days, and we have that package too. You know, they, they package it that way to take for a few days. So if you think you're coming down with something, you can make sure you up your doses of vitamin D. Uh, this is all in the literature, but you don't hear mainstream medicine trying to warn you about it and you're trying to keep you healthy. They want you to get sick so they can make money on you. Hate to say it, but it's just been my interpretation of my observation. They don't do anything to really keep you from getting sick, but they're Johnny on a spot to treat you when you, once you get sick. You know, um, John was a John uh, Robbins, right? That's his name. Yes. In the preface to one of his books, he described healthcare in the system, and I've mentioned this before, as uh, the analogy he gave you: know, people are at the top of the cliff. And all the uh, healthcare workers are at the bottom of the cliff, ready to pick you up and take you to the hospital after you fall off the cliff. We're trying to keep you from falling off the cliff. And one way is take vitamin D. Well, we have been told that we are functioning within a healthcare system, and we are not caring for our health. We are in a disease care system. The goal and this article says get your vitamin D levels up to 40 to 60. I say 80. I have patients that go over 100 a little bit. You know, other doctors, mainstream doctors, are so afraid of vitamin D. They say, oh, you're taking so much vitamin D, you're going to get into trouble. If you, if you monitor your vitamin D, the uh, thing to look for is an elevated calcium level. Haven't I haven't seen that personally. But that's what you want to look for. Make sure your calcium levels don't go up. In the few cases where people did have a high calcium level, it turned out they had cancer because cancer can be associated with elevated calcium levels. 
But you, you just have to be monitored. And if you do that, you can keep yourself uh, less sick. Is it sufficient every six months or would you say more frequently than every six months to test, test your I, vitamin D levels? All right. So I check people routinely every three months if we're monitoring other treatments that they might be getting. They might be getting bioidentical hormones or thyroid hormones, uh, vitamin D. You check for two reasons. One, you want, you want to make sure it's high enough and you want to make sure it's not too high. And you can't tell. And by the way... Every brand is going to give you different results. That's true. Um, very, very interesting. So uh, you might have the perspective, oh, I've been taking um, 10,000 units of vitamin D and um, my vitamin D levels have not risen in accordance. Well, um, if you're buying your vitamin D from a less than ideal location. And what I'm talking about is if you're buying it in the grocery store, in the drug store, in the big box store, in the discount store, um, you might not be getting the highest quality vitamin D supplement. And the only way you know is testing. So, you know, you just can't say, well, I'm taking 10,000 units a day. I know I'm getting enough. No, you don't. Without testing, you don't know what you're getting. Okay, Dr. Slavin, what are some of the situations where someone's health uh, profile would possibly suppress the ability to utilize supplemental vitamin D? Well, I mean, even with medications, it's the same thing. It's how it's put together. They have a lot of excipients in uh, the way they put vitamins together, and you want to find the uh, you know companies that use a minimal amount. Um, there are digestive issues. I think maybe you were referring to uh, what if you're taking a uh, something that blocks your uh, cholesterol. Cholesterol. Oh, you're thinking statin drugs? Well, okay, any fat-soluble nutrient is going to have interference with absorption. And I'm thinking, too, if you're taking a... um, an H2 block or a proton pump inhibitor. That too. It's going to have sex. So that's why you want to test to make sure that you're getting what you think you're getting. Also, another important nutrient is magnesium. Very important. Frequently, I would say, not frequently, but almost always people are deficient in it unless so, they're taking supplements. So you, you, you want to measure these things. So when we talk about measuring, you know, we're not just measuring vitamin D. We're measuring red blood cell magnesium. We're measuring zinc and copper. Uh, you know, we're measuring serotonin, vitamin selenium, C. vitamin C. These are important nutrients. There, there's a reason uh, they come in food and they're imp- and, and they and they're important to your body. But think about what you're eating. Are you eating foods that have these nutrients in it, or is everything you're eating packaged or fast? And you're not getting any of these things. That's the case for a lot of people. That's why you want to measure. And then you can make the changes. And I also am very supportive of a little combination of A and D together. They're, they're mutually supportive nutrients. So have we covered all of the points that are so important for our listeners with regard to vitamin I, I D? I just want, yeah, I just want to make, uh, you know, one point about comorbidities, probably the number one comorbidity that affects the majority of people is being overweight. And they, and the study found that being overweight, uh, has a direct correlation with your 
susceptibility to a more serious COVID-19 infection, but it makes you more susceptible to other things. Being overweight uh, makes you more susceptible to high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, coronary artery disease, stroke, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis, sleep apnea, body pain, lower quality of life, mental health issues like anxiety and depression, and many types of cancer, liver, kidney, pancreatic, endometrial cancer, and gallbladder cancer. And and here's the other thing that you know people should really consider is that in the older age groups, they're associating those that are overweight with mental decline more quickly than expected. Although I have to say I have some patients that are in that group that have perfectly normal mental uh, um, functions. Faculties. Uh, yeah, or cognition. So, but, and, you know, and they're, they're um, weight? They're overweight, is, but they're, they're, their mind is still intact. Okay. But do you want to take a chance? So that's that's the point. So uh, there's, in other words, there's a lot you can do for yourself and you should do for yourself instead of just sitting back and waiting for a vaccine to come along or a drug to come along because there's no such thing as a vaccine deficiency or a drug deficiency. But everything we talked about, vitamin D, yeah, there's such a thing as a vitamin D deficiency or um, excessive weight is a risk factor. So there's there's a lot of things you can do to improve your chances. So rather than waiting for a vaccine and pinning all of your hopes in that area, uh, what we're saying is take responsibility, test your vitamin D levels, keeping in mind that people who have their annual flu shots may very well uh, during a flu season succumb to the flu even in the face of having used a vaccine. So take good care of yourself. And I just want to tell our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to naturaldocradio.com. And please remember that these podcasts are brought to you by the Institute of Advanced Medicine, Advanced Medical Testing Center, Janazon, and X39 Stem Cell Patches. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Natural Doc Radio with your hosts Herbert R. Slavin, MD, and Janet Cimarelli, licensed nutrition counselor. Join them each week as they provide you with invaluable information to help you to get and stay healthy naturally. Natural Doc Radio is sponsored by the X39 Patch. Stimulate your own stem cells and let your body heal itself. Get more information at drslavin.com forward slash x39.